Mike Valerie is a contributor here at CampusToCan.com, and he likes to make fun of this particular show, saying that we don't talk Debbie enough. We just talk college football. So, of course, uh, he and Corey P. have started another podcast on the Campus to Can podcast feed. You can catch that on Fridays. Back to Debbie, which feels like a subtweet of, of this show. And, of course, uh, uh, in the framework of discussing Debbie, Mike, on the first episode of the of his podcast, discussed Ramon Davis and Dylan Gabriel right there at the top of, uh, you know, the Debbie rankings. But go ahead and rate and review the show on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. We're not going to stop creating content. Um, we're going to produce as much content as we can. And maybe Mike will be here a little bit later on. He hosts the after show to discuss Back to Debbie and what you can expect tomorrow. Actually, both of these shows, you can probably listen back to back. Um, but we're not going to be producing content. We're not going to stop producing content. Matt, you have been doing these uh, Camp Report videos on YouTube, so check those out on the Campus to Canton YouTube page. Any camp news, any camp updates that you can give us tonight? Yeah, I've got a bunch. And to clarify, Back to Debbie will be out in – Two days. Uh, tomorrow's Thursday. We don't skip days of the week around here. So just just throwing that out there. You will get Debbie debate tomorrow. But uh, back to Debbie will be on Friday. There, There's all kinds of news. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'll start with uh, Texas. Uh, Felix, I know, just absolutely loves this story that Hudson Card is continuing to run with the ones over Quinn Ewers. Yet he doesn't look impressive, but he is still running with the ones, which does technically matter, which I'll just go right to his next guy as well. Michael Penix is also still running with the ones and missing wide open wide receivers against air, which I find very interesting. But hey, you know what? It is what it is. Michael Penix is still likely going to be the starter. Over at TCU, Jordan Hudson's probably a, a, a big storyline here for them with him getting a ton of buzz being the wide receiver too. We know that that matters for CFF scoring. Uh, it really looks like he's taking a stranglehold on that. On top of, it really looks like we are moving toward Chandler Morris being the starting quarterback for TCU. Two days in a row, he has taken all of the first team snaps. I really doubt they're then just going to pivot to Max Dugan is – for those of you who don't know, fall camp does not go straight up to the season. There's only a little limited amount of time they're allowed to have these. So fall camp's actually coming to an end soon for a lot of these schools. I think the fact that Chandler Morse is taking all the first team snaps is a big deal for TCU. Uh, Arizona, Rayshon Luke has added some weight. He looks like he has been good. Cameron Ward, as uh, reports, has been struggling a tad bit compared to what he was doing in spring. Not that I'm super Nervous about that, but he is struggling a little bit. Uh, I've got to throw this one in there. The freak freshman at Ole Miss, Quinshawn Judkins, just continues to get rave reviews. I mean, they are talking about him. You can roll your eyes all you want, Austin, but my God, we're going to talk Judkins, baby. He um, is getting rave reviews in the fact that like, he might pass Ulysses Bentley's on the depth chart and be behind Zach Evans as the season comes, and the coaching staff just really seems to love him. It's a, It's been great for him all through spring, and he's continued to carry that over into fall camp uh the quarterback battle honestly looks like it might be luke altmeyer uh he's continued to look very impressive apparently in fall and just been more consistent which is apparently a big thing for lane kiffin is is the consistency they've said that jackson dart looks better operating outside of the pocket but when it comes to the consistency apparently luke altmeyer is really 
really been good. Uh, let's see here. Anything else that I can find? Uh, Florida, Ricky Persall, unfortunately, was looking like the best wide receiver. He has now dealt with an injury. They're saying that he is going to be out for a certain amount of time. Kentucky, the future first-round pick, Will Levis, has apparently been struggling with his new, brand-new wide receiver room. However, Dane Key has been standing out in a major way, as Austin has brought up a few times this offseason, possibly being a guy to benefit. He has apparently been the most impressive. Uh, Haynes King, speaking of uh, quarterbacks getting all the first-team reps in the past two days, has also been getting all the first-team reps for Texas A&M. I know Moxley has mentioned this, so have I. I really think Haynes King is going to be the guy for the Aggies when they open up their first game. Notre Dame, Tobias Merriweather has looked really good. <laughs> this will be an interesting one. Julian Fleming is really blowing up at camp all of a sudden for Ohio State. He's finally healthy. Take that for what it's worth. I know Jared uh, Palmgren is really excited about that. Austin tells you. Austin will tell you that's a waste of a roster spot. Uh, Michigan three-star running back C.J. Stokes has apparently looked really good. Jim Harbaugh cannot stop talking about him. Missouri, uh, the most recent news. Missouri, Eli Drinkowitz, thank you very much. Uh, one of the one of the coaches who's actually announced a starter. He announced Brady Cook will be starting for them to kick off the season. Texas Tech, all signs are now, it's Shuck. There would be, unless there's an injury, Shuck will be starting the season. However, this would be good news for Felix. The recent reports from the last two days is that Donovan Smith has actually looked much better in fall than he did in spring and is now challenging Baron Morton for the backup job. While a lot of the people there still believe Baron Morton is the more talented of the three, they do think that Donovan Smith might surpass him and be the backup again to Shuck as the season starts. So that's just an interesting thing for all three of those guys. Uh, and last but not least, because I got to pump up Quishon Juckins, I'm also going to pump up Gavin Sawchuck, who's looking amazing at Oklahoma the past couple days. Big play guy. Uh, he has been blowing away the coaching staff with his big play ability. Uh, they've already come out and said that Eric Gray has solidified his starting spot, as has Marvin Mims and Dylan Gabriel. But with the way Gavin Sawchuk has played so far in fall camp, they're saying he has worked himself into playing time over Javante Barnes, who unfortunately has been dealing with an injury. They have not specified what that injury is, so I don't know if it's very if it's serious or not, but he's not participated at all in fall camp. Marcus Major will still be the two, but Gavin Sawchuk is going to get playing time. And Nick Evers. We faded him a lot based on his horrible spring. Reports are that he has bounced back in a big way and looks much better in fall camp than he did in spring. I'm not telling you to go out and buy him, uh, but it is that uh, the reports are that he is likely going to be the three as he has been better than General Booty, but that Davis Bevel will probably be the backup, but that he is competing with Davis Bevel to be the backup quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. I have no idea where even to start with uh... – that's a lot of information there. It's almost like, let's do a pop quiz. Um, Hudson Card, Chris Moxley, still running with the ones. This has to be an indication that Steve Sarkeesian hasn't seen enough yet to declare a starter like they have in Missouri. Is there a chance that Hudson Card is your starter week one? No. No. Uh, just they have to get ready for Bama week two. If they didn't have Bama week two, I think you could see some different combinations. Yeah, um, it's it's not going to happen. 
I'm not going to lie. I know Felix, like 80% of what you say is just playing devil's advocate, but this is like the worst line of like whatever that you've maintained for <laughs> so long. It's honestly just incredible. It's honestly incredible. It's borderline. We're just stating facts. All, all, all we're stating is no, no, no. It's not intellectually dishonest. They are splitting first team reps just like they were last year in that camp. They have not declared a starter. I don't understand. Uh, okay, whatever. Well, um, but I mean, it, you bring up last year's camp. We all said the starter was going to be Hudson Card because he was more talented. Who started the first game? Even though they split, even though they split reps all camp. I Hudson don't. Was it K, did Casey? No, Hudson, Hudson Card, Card started the first game. Yeah, and then he just sucked, and they pulled him and put Casey Thompson in. But Hudson Card started. Um, I'm not sure where else to go here with all of that news. Um. I want to ask you real quick, Matt. I've actually heard that Judkins already the second guy there. Yeah. I don't know that they've confirmed that. Based on the reports that I read, said that he is likely going to pass Ulysses Bentley. I think we're all assuming. I, I don't know. I think Nate Marquise may have said it on uh, Chasing the Natty. They, Him and Jared Palmgren, their show, because I know they talked about uh, – Nate also agrees with us that this is not a battle between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. Uh, so maybe it was them that said it on there. They think he's passed him. This again, that was from like last week, last Monday when I did that show. I was just going through all of my notes and talking about. So he may have officially at the time of that, they were more just talking about like how impressive he's been. Like I said, they, they've dubbed him the freak freshman with everything he's done. Uh, they love what he's done in the conditioning program. But it says that, as of right now, they're sure Zach Evans is going to be the starters, but it looks like, oh, yeah, well, it says it looks like Ulysses Bentley and Kentrell Bullock will share your carries. Judkins is right there with all three of them. That's all it said in the report that I read. It's Judkins, if he pans out, that's going to be a win for you, Matt, obviously, because you've been the highest on him really from the beginning, but it's also going to be a win for RA Analytics. Um, he was their number one running back. You're talking about a three-star player. And if he is at all productive and kind of shows the athleticism that he showed in in, um, in high school, that's going to be a win for us and a win for, for Corey Yates over there. What were you going to say, Mox? I was going to say, I actually put stock into the Altmeyer dart competition. Um, I, I buy that that's a legitimate competition. Unlike yours and... Uh, a card. I actually think Altmaier can start week one. I do too, based on everything the reports are saying, which is, it's, I guess it makes some sense, but I, I still think Dart probably is a starter at the end of the year. But yeah, I think based on everything is the way it's going, it looks like Altmaier is going to be the guy week one. The other thing, the other point I wanted to highlight is Jordan Hudson at TCU. Earlier this week, I believe Trash Pandas posted a thread about, get this now, high school fantasy points per game, I believe, and that being somehow correlative to um, college production. Now, Jordan Hudson was one of the most productive players in Texas in their you know uh, best uh, uh, division in high school football there. So he didn't have the athleticism of a DJ Allen but has been very productive. So, I mean, if he turns out, and I feel like everybody has not been particularly high on him, that's going to be something to take note of. For what um, it's worth, we, with like, because it's, it's it was a great thread by Trash Pandas. That's like the entire basis of big wide receiver guys 
model that he has already that and athleticism coming out of high school. Like those are basically the two major prongs, not to misstate it. He might be listening right now. Uh, and if he is, he can certainly hop in and correct me, but, but that's kind of what he bases a lot of what his model is currently uh, focused on for high school production and then how athletic these kids are. And those are kind of the two major indicators when you put them together of collegiate and then hopefully NFL success. So not necessarily like the, like people aren't talking about it enough. So it is still very novel for him to bring that up. But, um, but that we like, there are other people, especially those that we have at C2C who are following that as a, a metric. Well, big wide receiver guy, uh, Matt Powell, a contributor here <clears throat> at campus to Canton. I believe according to his rankings, Adam Randall was one of the top receivers in this club. Maybe the top or top. I think he has Randall top as the five. top guy. Yeah. yeah. Randall as the top, as the top guy who suffered, who suffered an ACL injury in the spring. And you're telling me already that according to uh, John Blau on Twitter, and he, I cannot remember the pa- paper that he writes for. Um, he's, uh, reporting that according to Dabo Sweeney that Adam Randall is trending towards possibly possibly being available sometime in September and quote ran the fastest time of any receiver the other day um this is a 6 foot 3 225 pound guy he's our consensus wide receiver 19 Austin what's his what's his ceiling if we can get a healthy Adam Randall on the field. Really quick, the, the, yeah, just, to, just to clarify, the report was that he ran 20.9 miles an hour. That's what he was uh, tracked at, at that uh, at Which that isn't game. that fast. Like, that's no, fast, that's, but, like, that's I, not, well, like. It's fast that, when you just tore your ACL too much. When you just tore your ACL, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that's that because I, I re, that was all one of the recent reports that yes, he support according to the the camp that they timed him at was just Friday last week. So you're talking about four or five days ago that he ran twenty point nine miles per hour. Yeah, we consider like over twenty one to be pretty good. So um, just just short of that. Um, I think the big question with Randall and with all those wide receivers there at Clemson over the next next couple of years is going to be how productive can that offense be. I think the last year and a half have kind of shown us that this offense may have been more QB dependent and QB centric than maybe we necessarily realized. And obviously they were spoiled with uh, da- or, um, um, Deshaun Watson and then uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, and then once they, they did not have kind of that guy to bail them out, maybe they were in a little bit more trouble. Um, so I think the big question is going to be, you know, what's the quarterback play look like? What's that offense look like? Cause I think those wide receivers are only going to go as far obviously as that quarterback can take them. Do I think Randall has a shot to be the guy there? I do. I still don't think that what he offers skill set wise is totally different than what anybody offers there, but I know the staff really likes him. Um, so I certainly think that he still has a lot of upside. Um, when, at what point do we start questioning what, what is like ethically going on at Clemson that these guys come back so fast? Well, they had Tyson Pumachon last year who tore his Achilles in like the yeah. fourth quarter of the spring game and then didn't miss it. Like didn't miss a game. No, he was back normal. I don't yeah. think he tore his ACL. I brought that up on the spring kit. There's just no way. I'm sorry. If we were talking about like back in November, okay, maybe I believe it. Two months ago, he did not tear his ACL and then is out there running 20.9 miles an hour. It's just not. It's not happening. Have y'all seen the show Midnight Mass? It's on Netflix. Really great show. No. It's a short. It's a it's a season long series. 
Well, the, the plot is. Oh well, the plot is um, this dude arrives in town and he starts ha- curing like miracles, and everybody comes fanatic about a church. That's really eerily similar to what's going on in the deep south in Clemson, where these players are getting healed extremely quickly. I'm just, I'm just saying, there's something going on at Clemson because we saw the same thing happen with Amari Rogers two years ago, three years ago. At this point, there's something going for on. I don't know what it for is. What it's- for what it's worth, I spoke to a Clemson beat writer over the summer. And this person told me that it is basically rumor and like amongst other beat writers that something fishy is going on there. Just throwing that out there. A source that I consider a pretty reputable person. I'm not going to go further than that. She said that they literally all joke that something is going on there. Well, I thought that was um... interesting. Austin, the only thing I want to push back on you is productivity. I don't know if that's going to matter considering what we've seen from George Pickens in camp and how his value – if you had a rookie draft, a dynasty rookie draft right now, George Pickens would be in the, would go in the first round. And I don't think that he, he went in the first round for many people except for um, – I forgot for, – for you, Austin, and then for Matt at, at uh, Saturday to Sunday football podcast was advocating for George Pickens in the in the in the – uh, first round. This is a player who had an excellent freshman season, was injured his second season, and not or and not productive his third season or last year. So, and and Randall is built a similar way. I mean, should be as athletic, 6'3", 225 pounds. Yeah, that's the other thing. 20.9 miles per hour, but at two hundred twenty uh, two hundred twenty pounds. So. Just something to consider. Um, something else to consider. Something that Jim Harbaugh said, Chris Moxley. Uh, he was on the In the Trenches podcast and said that the wide receiver room has both the license and ability to be the best we ever had. And I feel like, uh, you know, this generated a laugh for me. If I gave you the over-under, on 690 yards receiving for Michigan's leading wide receiver. Are you taking the over or the under? I would take the over. I think Ronnie Bell will do it. Um, I think he was on track to do it last year. I, I really think he would have. But, but him yeah. him getting hurt really set that passing offense back a lot. He's a really dynamic player and really opened up the offense. Like He's got great speed, got great downfield ability. Um, I think he does it this year. I think... I mean, I'm not sure how close he's going to be to it. I don't think he's going to get a thousand yards, but I think 650 is well within his range of outcomes. And I think he, I think he'll do it. Just for, just for context, since Harbaugh has been at Michigan in in 2019, Ronnie Bell had uh, 758 yards, and the high the highest in Harbaugh's tenure has been 862 yards. That was by Amara Darbo in 2016. Um, Matt, are you scared of the Michigan passing game when uh, Ohio State takes on uh, the Wolverines? Define scared. Uh, I no. Uh, it depends on who the quarterback is. I think JJ McCarthy could actually open up the offense a little bit more than Cade McNamara is, but will JJ McCarthy be the starter? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think Michigan's going to put up a good fight. I think Ohio State's like undefeated season to a national championship is wildly overstated. 
they're not going to be a top 10 defense this year. So uh, I am, Kane, you got me. I am terrified. I'm avoiding the question. I am terrified of Michigan. Uh, but I do agree with Moxley. Like, I think Ronnie Bell could do that. I mean, you know, what he tore was it, his ACL was the game. It was first game of the season last year, right? So, I mean, he yeah. should hopefully be back fully healthy. I actually think Cornelius Johnson is a decent wide receiver. I mean, we saw Andrew Anthony went off at the end of last year. I still kind of like A.J. Henning as well. The problem is, like, the offense is just not innovative enough to really, I think, scheme toward any of these guys' talent. So that's kind of where I think that's, that's my biggest issue. But I do think they go over 600 yards. I think at least one of them. Listen, I'm going to admit I was laughing at Mox a little bit because I'm like, I think Ronnie Bell had one catch for 75 yards last year. Yeah, when he was like, he was all pace. So I was like, wait, he was all pace. I was like, well, I, guess, <laughs> he I guess can, he would have got yards. it. He would have got <laughs> I, it. I, I guess if you average 70, yes, one catch, 76 yards and touchdown. I guess if you're averaging 76 yards a catch, I mean, you are on pace to, to go. <laughs> he got on. hurt in the second quarter of that game. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, it was Man, early. I, mean, I thought I saw, when you said that, I was like, wait, am I thinking of the right Ronnie Bell getting injured last year? Michigan's offense has generally averaged uh, uh, about 250 passing yards a game. They even had some seasons under Harbaugh where they averaged less than 200 yards passing per game. Um, the projected starters, Ronnie Bell, who we've mentioned, Darius Clemens, uh, the dynamic freshman who – made some plays in the spring game, Cornelius Johnson, A.J. Henning, and then Antrell Anthony, who had that one game against Michigan State and then I feel like we never heard from. Again, Austin, any of these guys, I guess Bell would be the most likely candidate. Are any of these guys fantasy starters? No. Um, the one name that I think is interesting, and it's like a super deep name, you know, we're, we're Debbie debate. So unless you're in a very deep Debbie league uh, or even like a C2C league, like I – can never find myself rostering him, but he's a good player. It's Darius Clemens, I think. He caught a really deep touchdown in the spring game. He got some buzz in the spring. He's really big and really athletic. He's kind of basically like the Cornelius Johnson or like some of these, like they're very similar profile, um, but he has a couple more years to figure it out. Like, I don't think we know that he's bad yet. And I think we kind of know that some of these other guys are probably bad. So like, take the mystery box or you take Darius Clemens or, you know, where these other guys, like I think you just take the mystery box and hope they end up being good. And the mystery box is, is Clemens. So uh, intriguing guy, but I'm not like in love with him, but just a name to throw out. There's nothing. I'm going to bring up this clip. If, if he hits and I'll cut out all the non-committal parts. There's nothing about uh, Michigan's Pat or excuse me, their, uh, uh, their coaches that says passing. You got Jim Harbaugh, who's never had a thousand yard receiver. They're all co offensive coordinators. Matt Weiss was with Baltimore for 12 seasons. And the thing that they're touting on his coaching profile page is the fact that he was at the helm for um, two of the seasons that Baltimore ran for over 3,000 yards. Then you got Sharon Moore, and his background is a, as a tight end and O lines coach. Like there's, there's no Zach Kitley coming from this staff. So if I had to take the over or under on 250 yards passing per game for Michigan, I mean, the, historically, I'm taking the the under. So I agree with you on, on uh, Clemens, though, um, Austin. I mean, might as well, you could do worse as a last uh, end of the roster type guy. All right, Austin. Um, players we've done away 180 on. This is your topic. Set this up for us is what we're talking about here. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, we try to project at the beginning of the offseason as best we can about what's going to happen all offseason in the upcoming year. I think in CFF and C2C type formats, especially, it's very difficult, uh, especially with the transfer portal. Like a guy that looks like he's the clear number one one day could be the second or third guy uh, pretty easily the next. So it's you basically have to adapt the information that we get. So my question to to everybody in the chat today was, you know, if we were looking for for topics is a guy that maybe you were low on coming into the off season, but uh, things have happened and now maybe you're a little bit higher on or even vice versa. But I try to be positive on this show. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a negative guy. So um, looking at it with that positive spin. Um, so I guess I can go first. I guess that's what you want me to do. I have two names that come to mind. Uh, Drake May, quarterback at UNC, was a guy that I was a little skeptical on just because I thought there was a lot of good competition there. I didn't think it was necessarily 100% clear that he would get that job. And maybe it's still not like there is that outside chance that they split this quarterback job, which we all hate. Um, but I do think Drake May, second year quarterback at UNC, gets this job over Jacoby Criswell, um, who, you know, is a little more mobile um of a kid which i thought would kind of maybe keep him in the running here and then connor harrell the true freshman may is kind of prototypical size for anybody that's not really that familiar with him he's got a pretty good arm as well his family is like unc athlete royalty which i think you know doesn't help but also maybe does a little bit his brother was i think his brother won a basketball national national championship with unc um but it was a very popular player there during his days um He's, he's got all the tools, and I think the wide receiver room there with Josh Downs coming back, it sounds like Andre Green's probably the other starter now because Antoine Green's out for a long time. I think that that now that it's clear that he probably has his job and he has some tools there to work with, uh, he's a guy that has risen a decent amount. I think he was like uh, closer to like QB 25-ish in my rankings, and now he's all the way up to QB 15. I, I really, really like him a lot. Then the other name that just comes to mind real quick is Byron Cardwell, the running back at Oregon. I wasn't out on Cardwell. I think he's always been in my top 30 running backs, but he's inched up to like 21, 22 for me. And really the, 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 the change for me, it sounds like Jordan James hasn't been amazing there. Like I thought he was going to be coming in the true freshman running back um, who followed the head coach over from Georgia. Georgia had this kid locked up, you know, d- defense coordinator who was recruiting him became the head coach at Oregon and brought him in. Like it doesn't take two and a genius to put two and two together there and think that, that he has a chance to do some, some damage. But Cardwell seems like he's held him off. And then the other guys on that team are all smaller backs. So I do think they're going to rotate these backs pretty heavily, but I do think he can be the guy that gets 55% of the touches and then kind of the other 45 ish percent are divvied up. And if this offense runs the ball a decent amount, like I think they're going to, I think there's still enough for him to be a, a worthwhile starter weekly and to have some NFL upside. He is over 210 pounds. Uh, he's an NFL level athlete. So just two, two names that I think, you know, it's not like they went from like QB 90 to QB four or anything, but two guys that I've definitely, you know, the narrative, I wasn't sure which way it would go. And now it seems like it's gone positively for both. And so I, I find myself buying into both of them a little bit more. I wish I had earlier because I think they were pretty cheap and still kind of are compared to what they can be. Matt, Chris, what do you got? Uh, I feel like my easy one's probably Braylon Allen. I feel like I've been shitting on him since last year. Um, I haven't really moved him up. Much, everybody has. But uh, no, not everybody. Only a couple of us. But, I mean, I've talked about it before with 
I, I feel like the concerns I have are legitimate. But again, if you look at the teams that he played, I think what did he average? He was like 6.8 yards a carry or something like that last year. He starts off with Illinois State, Washington State, New Mexico State. Obviously, Ohio State could be a tough matchup for him. Could not. We saw Michigan and Oregon run all over Ohio State. And I don't know that they're just going to improve with snap of the finger because they bring Jim Knowles over. So he could actually have a good game against them. And then they get Illinois, Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland. Iowa's a good defense. Nebraska, Minnesota. Like Braylon Allen's likely going to go out there, tear up the entire Big Ten. I mean, Moxley brought up. You know, when we did our bold take segment, and I said, I think Nicholas Singleton can lead the Big Ten in rushing. You know, like Braylon Allen's going to be the one he's got to surpass because Braylon <laughs> Allen has nothing on his schedule. So he is the one that I've, he's moved his way. He was outside. I think I had him as RB12 coming into the season. I think I have him as RB8 now. So I haven't moved him up. What? RB12. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just go, just go ahead. Oh, sorry that we don't move Brandon Thomas up to. Where did we move Brandon Thomas up no, to, no, Felix? No, no, after no, no, one no, no. good game, RB12 whole, whole season. Whole season. It was, it was, yeah, you move Brandon Thomas up after one game. I like to take a little bit more time to look at things. That's all. I wish Austin was still here because that was a great moment. On what did Will Shipley do to be ranked to above Braylon Ellen? But okay, right. he's a better receiver. We've had this discussion. Let's not have this argument again. Uh, so he has moved up, though. I do think that uh, I am not Team Braylon Allen, John. Please do not put me on that bus because I don't want to be there. But I do think that he is a talented running back, so he is moving up for me. Uh, another one I was trying to find. I guess I've got to go to the Washington quarterback situation. I mean, I don't want to be negative, but I, I just two years in a row, Sam Heward can't get the job. I've got to drop him. I mean, he was a guy that I still had. Uh, I think I had him, he was top 15 coming into, I guess, the flip over of the season before spring started. I dropped him to 24, and now I think I've dropped him into the 40s because it really doesn't look like he's going to win the job, and I don't even know if he's going to be the backup. Again, you can smile and say all you want, feel like Penix is not going to start the whole season, so I really don't care. But <laughs> when so it comes to the Sam Heward part, like I do have to drop him because he's just, he's not winning the job, so... I mean, somebody wasn't in, wasn't in on old cement shoes from the beginning. Uh, I, I'll say that. And I, I, I just but don't again, understand. You move Brandon Thomas up to RB12 after one good week. So, you know. Okay. All right. There's good and bad uh, I, for everybody. Braylon Allen is my running back four and has been for a while. I just have never understood, like, what the hate is. Like, Braylon Allen seems, like, super safe to be at least a third-round draft pick at, the, at his floor. Um, and since I am talking, I'll go ahead and I'll, I've only got two. One I've talked about on this uh, show a few times, and that's Jaden Bray, who, let me give Austin credit, he brought Jaden Bray to my the wide receiver at Oklahoma State, brought him to my attention as a guy who fit the profile of what has succeeded at Oklahoma State. Bound, big boundary wide receiver, James Washington. Tylen Wallace wasn't big, but he played that contested catch type game. I went back and watched his high school tape and was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But he had like one game with like 88 yards receiving. You said, oh, okay. I see some of the athleticism here. They damn sure ain't going to throw it to Brandon Presley, who's super athletic, can go up and get the ball. They ain't going to throw it to him, my boy, who's been, who's has ridiculous uh, high school. Talk about uh, high school points, points per, per game, fantasy points per game. 
Brandon Presley has to be way up there. Anyway, they're not going to throw him the ball in the slot. So it's got to be Jaden Bray. And I think, I mean, like if, if I, I, Jaden Bray could have 12, 1300 yards receiving this year. And I would not be surprised because that is what Mike Gundy boundary wide receivers have produced in seasons past. And he's probably ever been as talented as James Washington and Tyler Wallace. So um, was very good as a true freshman. So Jaden Bray is one. I haven't changed my opinion on him necessarily this offseason, like in the last few weeks, but over the offseason and over last season. The other one is Oscar Delt. Um, Oscar Delt, the tight end at Georgia. I think I didn't want to make the same mistake that I made last year with Brock Bowers. Oh, Darnell Washington is there. Oh, Eric Gilbert is there. And now all of those guys are there and Brock Bowers. Like the athleticism – that Oscar Delp had. Are there four tight ends at Georgia who are going to get drafted in the NFL? Really are? Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, anyway, but I didn't want to make that mistake again. We saw this in years prior. It wasn't this deep, but in years prior with um, Iowa, when you had George Fant or uh, Noah Fant. Noah Fant. Noah Fant there. Who is somebody tell me who George Fant is? Offensive lineman. He was with the Seahawks originally. I forget where he went to college, <laughs> but yeah. Indiana. Maybe? I played with a I played with a Gary fan running back from like Lansing from a Lansing school. I cannot remember what school it was. They switched him to nickel, a nickel position in our defense. Anyway, um I don't want to make that mistake again. We're thinking that a player is particular is and then uh and uh the Lions tied in. Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson. Can't can't do NFL players for some reason. Didn't want to make that mistake again. So you have a loaded depth chart, but I mean, quite frankly, these tight ends don't have to produce a ton to get drafted in the fourth round. And like, if if he if Oscar Delp goes to the combine and tests like a 90th percentile athlete, he's going to be a tight end that you should have. I mean, think about you know Mike Gusecki. Think about. Uh, uh, George Kittle. I mean, those were all got te- even even uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, all drafted in that range, but you know, very productive players. So Oscar Delp just feels like a player. You know what? Fine, you can't start him uh, on the college side of your campus to Canton leagues, but you should have him rostered. We've got him. He's my tight end seven. He's got to be in our top ten collectively as a site. He is now. So. Yeah, so that's one I just don't want to make a, another mistake on. I feel like I got burned last year because I have Brock Bowers like nowhere, absolutely nowhere. I still question whether or not he's big enough to play the position, but super athletic. So those are Jaden Bray, Oscar Dell, Chris Moxley. What do you got? I'll keep mine a little bit shorter. Um, Shots fired. First is Devin Achen. I started the offseason basically fading him very hard. And I've come around on him as like a day two pick in the NFL. I think that he just has the athleticism. I think he's got speed. I think he's a lot of what the NFL is looking for. Um, you know, we've talked about him here and there. I, I think maybe Noah Hills brought it up on one of his shows as well. But what do you think his weight is? If he's not running track. He's probably like a 195, closer to like 200. I, I think he adds 10 to 15 pounds between the end of the season and the combine, if he's going to seriously stick with the NFL, and I think he will. So I've come around on him being a legit Debbie asset versus where I was six months ago. 
I I've really kind of changed my tune on him. Um, I don't feel the same way about someone like Deuce Vaughn necessarily because I think he's a lot smaller. But I think Achain has the ability to break the small back mold because he just has like otherworldly athleticism. Um, the other guy is Tet McMillan, the receiver out of Arizona. I started the offseason very low on him, um, and I think we all collectively were lower than consensus. He's just wow to Arizona. Sounds like like he's seriously make like strides that. I was not expecting, and I don't know if a lot of us were expecting. He's a, yeah, yeah, they, they will, John. Um, Achain will go over Vaughn in the NFL draft for sure. But, yeah, McMillan has just made strides, and I'm, I'm just really impressed by the reports coming out of camp that he's going to be the wide receiver too along with Jacob Cowing. And if that happens, it's really hard to not have him higher than where we were six months ago and six months ago, I think we were fairly low on him coming into this class. So he's got to really, and that was partly in spring too. You know, Matt was talking about him and his spring practice reports. And then now again in, in fall, it sounds like he's just dominating. I don't know what his NFL upside is necessarily. I, I just haven't nailed that down. I'd like to see him play before I totally write him off as a NFL offset, but obviously he's impressive. And that's, that's great for a guy who, we weren't sold on and is a first year guy. And I, I think fairly raw. So I, I've isn't, definitely changed my tune on Ted McMillan. Isn't the NFL part kind of the sticking point with him though? Like I think when we collectively looked at him for the sub draft, we all kind of said, you know, yeah, there's a, I don't know if we ever assigned a percentage to it, but there's probably a better than 3% chance that he's starting for Arizona rather early in the year. Cause there's just not, anything else there the question is just you know does he develop into a guy that the nfl like i know that he got some drake london ish comps i don't even think like i don't love drake london like some people do and i don't think that he's on that level even though he's uh you know similarly sized and proportioned and has that alternate athletic background uh, ted mcmillan for anybody that doesn't know was a uh, very highly rated call or high school volleyball player which for the record, I do not think prepares a lot of these. Like that's not one of the athletic skills that I'm like this. That that's one that I want out of guys as a former volleyball player. That doesn't necessarily track for me. But. Well, that's why I was going to say, what's up with the, all this wee wee King Musabi? I was not with you guys on. I was very much in on Ted McMillan. <laughs> I I. I, yeah, I, I don't so, think that he is Drake London. I do agree with Austin there, but that is the big sticking point is they say he can't separate. Well, they said the same thing about Drake London. Dude went top 10. Like, and I understand a lot's got to go right for Ted McMillan, which is what Austin is saying. But I think that it can. He's a decent enough athlete. I think he's a good enough wide receiver. Alan True talked about how much he liked him, and I trust Alan's opinion as well. Like, Alan is is one of the best in the business, one of the reasons why I liked him so much. I know there was somebody else. I don't remember if it was David or Matt, so I don't want to say it was one of them because then the other one's going to be like, it wasn't me. Dude's not good, but... There was a there was a few of us that liked don't him. Don't attach it that to me. Yeah, I don't want to attach it to one of them because the other one's gonna get mad. But there, it, it's there was definitely a question about the. I feel like that you're probably right, Austin, when we had our conversation on him. But there was a couple of us that did think that he could possibly do something. Again, you there is there is some projection there, but I don't like I don't like being grouped in with the group there on the the we were all generally lower on him. So I I apologize for the we comment uh everybody in the world except 
Matthew Bruning apparently Thank just like hey look I rarely hit so I want to take my hits when I get them that's all but, that's all I'll ask to answer Austin's question I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt where prior I would not maybe have afforded it to him the same way because of how much he's impressed and I say okay maybe I need to reevaluate where I was at on him and say I need to see him play before I say there is an NFL upside because he's way outperforming expectations already and so I'm a lot more willing to assign him a higher likelihood of hitting for, let's say, day two draft capital than I was six months ago. And so that's a big part of my turnaround on where I rank him currently. Felix is muted. I'm going to take this time, this opportunity to say that you'll never convince me that Odd Chain will actually be good in the NFL. You'll never convince me. <laughs> ever, ever. Well, elaborate on that, Austin. Why? Why do you say that? Yeah, I think 195 is probably the max that he hits. And that can be successful in the NFL. But I think the names that ring when you say, you know, 195 to 199 range are Chris Johnson, are Jamal Charles. It's extremely rare. I'm not saying that Achain can't do it because he is that level of an athlete. But I've never watched him and felt that he's that level of a runner. He doesn't play quite at like quite as under control like jamal charles was amazing at just being under control at all times that's why he's like i don't know if he still is or not when he retired wasn't he like the nfl's all-time leading like yards per carry guy like because he yeah, just was so. so fast and he was so under control and cj he'd have three negative plays in a row and then he'd blow one i just you know i don't see that Achain has either of those skill sets necessarily for how fast and explosive of a guy he is he's not consistently broken big plays i know he's in the sec and I've never watched him necessarily be a plus runner. I know that efficiency-wise, he's been decent. But I even Noah himself has said that a lot of the times some of these efficiency metrics are more descriptive than predictive. So for me, a guy that's that small, um, even with the efficiency metrics, I'm just not quite buying him well let me let me ask you this who is who do you think is more likely to command 10 plus touches a game at the, in the nfl level deuce vaughn or devin Ache? see it's interesting because i think deuce vaughn's a better football player like just yeah. straight up but i will i will i will like qualify that by saying that that he's probably still 20 pounds lighter than right. than than uh devin Ache, which i think does make it difficult but i think I, vaughn is one of those guys where his career will either be nothing or he mm-hmm. goes somewhere where the offensive coordinator gets it and yeah. the team gets it and they're willing to kind of ease him in early and figure out something for him. I know Sproul, Sproul, Sproul is all everybody wants to comp him to. And I get it because it's the same college, same size, same skill set. But I, it, it all it takes is for a, a offensive coordinator to use him and believe in him like someone believed in Darren, in, in Darren Sproles. And I think he can have a very big impact. But I'm not betting – on right. either to do that necessarily. That, Where do you what think Austin said Devin Ocean gets I... drafted? Oh, sorry, man. Man, see, because this is the other part where it's like, we can predict that these guys are going to get good draft capital, but I think you also just have to bifurcate that. Like, are they going to get draft capital or are they actually going to be good? Like, those are two very right. different questions. And even though you can predict day two draft capital, I think there's still, you know, decent likelihood these guys aren't good. So I think depending on what your generally aiming for i think he can still get you know go in the third round and still not be a great nfl player i think that's kind of 
just where I fall on him. He just doesn't. Trey Sermon went in the third those boxes round two years ago. Me. Yeah. I mean, so look like, and that's what I was going to say where I agree with Austin. I actually think Deuce Vaughn would be the one who has a better chance of getting 10 touches a game because I don't, the team that drafts him likely does have a plan for him because of his size. They're not going to look at him and be like, Oh, Hey, let's draft him in the sixth round to be our bell cow. They're going to draft him to be that receiving back a, a Naheem Hines, a Boston Scott, as he just mentioned, who's, who's more the typical size, like a Tony Pollard. Yeah. And use him that way where I feel like someone will draft a chain based on his explosives, but oh, this is a guy we can use to run between the tackles and he's not going to be that. And I will just say real quick, so if for anybody listening to the podcast version of this, so Kane Fassell's in the, the chat, and he said, this seems like a good idea to grab Devin Achain and trade him if you don't like him. I don't love playing fantasy that way. I know some people do, and I think it's a perfectly valid way to play, especially Debbie formats that are very speculative. I just don't love drafting a guy when in the back of my head I know that like I don't believe in him and therefore I have to move him especially because if I'm drafting him, he fell to that point in the draft because nobody else wanted to take him. Like I'm never going to take him at ADP. So um, that's a tough, that would be a tough one for me to swallow. I just don't love playing that way, but I get people do it. And it's very valid. I just don't want to play that way. You're, you're also playing the, what is a hit game? Like if Devin Achen goes in the second or third round, like depending on where you draft him in a C2C league, like that's pretty good. Like that's a, not a bad outcome, an eighth or ninth round pick, depending on where he's going. Um, the last thing I'll say on Deuce Vaughn, and then we can move on to the next topic, is he does not really have an NFL counterpart. He's 15 pounds lighter than Tariqwin and Aaron Sproles. Like he's really tiny. Like we want to compare him to those guys, and he's still 15 pounds lighter. That's the concern I have with him. Like I think he's a really excellent player, but. Damn, like there's not an NFL counterpart for him. Like I, I don't feel confident in making a comp. And remember, Noah put out those comps a couple weeks ago, and it was like Eric Dickerson, Gail Sayers, uh, <laughs> like some really electric <laughs> players. But I just don't. I uh, think we there keep, just isn't really good comp for him. We keep referencing Noah Hills in the Hero RB show. Noah does a good job on the Campus to Can podcast feed, breaking down all of these running backs. So go ahead and listen to the Deuce Vaughn episode. Listen to the Devin Achain episode and let us know for yourself. Leave a five-star rate and review and let us know which uh, running back you prefer on the Campus to Can podcast feed. One player who I don't know if we've seen a player's stock increase while doing less in their first season than Marvin Harrison Jr., who we all love. But he had another bump in his stock today when Bruce Feldman listed him as his second, his second uh, player on his freak list that he uh, releases every single year. Anthony Richardson, 50. Marvin Harrison Jr., um, two. 22 reps at uh, uh, 225 225 pounds. A sub-four shuttle tag. Time 10 9 broad jump, and then this is the thing that surprised me, Matthew. Is a 23 mile per hour GPS time. I think we're getting way out of out of control with these GPS times because t- like 22.2 is the um is the highest that you'll see at the NFL level. And we're talking about they had a whole bunch of guys up in, in the 22 on this freak list, but our boy. Marvin Harrison Jr., who we had in the top. No, 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 no. Eight. It's Austin's boy. 
Sorry, Austin's boy now. It's Austin's boy now. Well, who Speaking has him highest 80s. now? Who has him highest now? I, I had him at like, three. I've had yeah, him at three for a long time. Yeah. Three. I think I have. I think I'm having him at three. All anyway, but I didn't. I didn't know that Marvin Harrison. I knew he was like could be a separator and all that quick twitch stuff. But 23 miles per hour means that he's he's big. He can move and he can take the top off the defense. I mean, what more can you say about this dude? He's going to be amazing this year. The one thing I think gets overlooked, I and mean, I know everybody talks about the – he obviously had a, a good game against Utah. I don't, I don't think he went over 100 yards. We had the multiple touchdown catches. But he was actually playing a actual defensive back compared to JSN, who was going up against a running back almost on all of his catches with the yards that he got and the touchdowns, where he also got chased down from behind as well and fumbled the ball. But that's for another day. Uh, I mean, we we talked about it. I know we were, I and I can't take credit for this part. Austin, I believe, had him as his one of the top wide receivers in that class to begin with coming out before anybody was even talking about him. I know, obviously, as Felix just mentioned, we were – I don't. you had him at eight? Okay. Uh, like, we obviously had him in our top 20 last year. No, no, I was talking yeah, about Austin. Awesome. Uh, we had him in no. our top 20 last year at the wide receiver summit. Like, I honestly don't think it's a crazy take to say he outproduces JSN this year. And, and I say that because I think he's going to get the better matchups. And I do think that, you know, we know that JSN's not going to the outside – and I do think defenses are going to scheme for him. So I think Marvin Harrison is absolutely going to blow up. I will ask my contact if he really ran 23 miles per hour, and they'll tell me the truth, and I will share that with our NIL members. You should become an NIL member because you get all this insider access, and you guys, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, I, I expect him to be an amazing wide receiver this year, and, you know, he, he's going to be probably – Austin said it for a while, and I think we've all agreed with this. Maybe not these. I know he really loves Xavier Worthy as well, but – I he's going to be the number one wide receiver drafted next year too. Like I just think he's a better player than Xavier Worthy overall. He and now Austin chance, thinks that too. He has a better chance at going top ten. I mean, how many undersized wide receivers go top ten in the NFL draft? Waddle is the only one I can really think of recently. Like it really doesn't happen Didn't, too often. Where did Devon? Devonta no, he went, went fifteen, 12, right? Smith, yeah. Devonta Smith, he went fifteen. Was yes, he that sounds right. Somewhere yes. early teens. Yeah, like I think it's it's just very difficult for the NFL to like fall in love with. Like I, I think he has a better chance of being the top guy drafted. Yeah, just because of his size. And I, I think honestly, his name doesn't hurt either. The NFL will love that more than anything. They're gonna Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm just gonna name my kid Marvin Harrison Jr. and see like if the NFL will <laughs> buy that shit. Like because they just love that. They hey, eat that kind got, of crap up. Man. You've got the size, athleticism. All you gotta do is make sure he's got good hands. You'll be good to go. Yeah, he's screwed. That's why I played soccer. The the thing with Marvin Harrison Jr. that I just like I can't wrap my head around for for some reason is I was look I was looking when we were, this was on the show sheet and I was like I know I talked about him early last season like before like February and I tw- I found the tweet and I said I think they're legit concerned with athleticism but Marvin Harrison Jr. can play. I'm shocked by these results. I am like, too. I think he. Yeah. I. I don't. Th- I. I am really, really surprised because I don't I, think he's that that athletic, and it's never really shown on his tape either. I have a lot of skepticism about these numbers. I'll be. I, I'll be totally honest about it. Like I. I really don't buy, a like, the extremity of them. They're just really, really extreme highs for him. And big wide receiver guy Matt Powell. We've talked about him a bunch as well. He does a bunch of wide receiver research. 
he said running 23 without pads is like a joke. Like that number doesn't matter at all. So I don't know. I'm just shocked by these numbers. Like I really don't buy it, man. Well, the season is creeping closer and closer and we're going to be uh, right here for you starting to get some more camp news. Um, you're you're going to want to stay tuned. You're going to want to stay tuned for the fall. We're going to have our morning show. We're going to have our evening show. Me and Matt are going to be staying up really, really late uh, after these games, probably like 10, 30, 11 Eastern time to recap everything. So you're going to want to keep it locked to everything that we're doing. And if you don't know, after we end the show today, uh, tonight we do an after show where we still talk and just kind of hang out, take questions. There are some questions in the chat. So we appreciate the folks who are tuning in live. And if even if you're listening to this recording later on, we appreciate you too. But tune in live next week, all right? All right, everybody. Peace. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.